Our scripture this morning comes from the 23rd Psalm. Hear these familiar words in a new way this morning. O Lord Adonai, you are my shepherd. I lack nothing. You let me lie down in green meadows. You lead me beside restful waters, and you refresh my soul. You guide me to lush pastures of righteousness for the sake of your name. Even as I sojourn through dark valleys, when I feel as though I am surrounded by death, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff Their presence gives me courage. You spread a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your loving kindness will pursue me all of the days of my life. And I shall dwell in your house. Adonai, my Lord and my God, for all days, for every day, for days without end. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I've been asking many of you when I have the opportunity to talk with you or to email with you to share with me where you find your sources of I'm particularly interested if there are passages of scripture that contribute to your comfort, but I also want to hear your stories and your practices, what music gives you comfort or other creative outlets. When you're in need of comfort, is there a particular place you go? If you had your Bible in your hands and you needed to be reassured of something, what page would you turn to? Is there a certain memory that comes to mind when you need that comfort, that peace that surpasses understanding? I really, really do want to hear from you, and I hope that you will consider sending me an email or giving me a call or sending me a text in the hopes of sharing your sources of comfort. We hope to use these sources of comfort in the coming weeks as Comfort is something that surely we all can use. Well, our scripture this morning, the 23rd Psalm, is a huge source of comfort to many people. We often hear it in hospitals and at funerals or in times of trial or struggle. And yet there is something, many things, actually, that we might miss out on in this beautiful poetry because of the limitations of our English language or because of the culture that's in place here in Western North Carolina in this day and age, in May of 2020. Well, first off, it's helpful to know a little bit about sheep and shepherds to get the full import of the metaphor of Psalm 23. A shepherd's sole job was to take care of the sheep. That meant protection and it meant provision. Make sure the sheep have what they need, like food and water and space, and keep them from harm. Shepherd wasn't an uncommon metaphor at the time that this psalm was written. Those who 
would read this psalm or hear it sung perhaps would know of Hammurabi. Hammurabi was the first emperor of the Babylonian kingdom who proclaimed himself not only the pious prince and king of justice, but also a shepherd of the people. He boasted of ruling over a land with generous provisions for his subjects, provisions like rest and peace and prosperity and protection from any kind of harm. So the job of shepherd was understood as one of these two essential tasks, provision and protection. And God is described in just this way in Psalm 23, when the Babylonian emperor's comparison is offered, it raises this office of supreme ruler to one of not just privilege and power, but being emperor was also an office of tender care and attentive protection from harm. It's an example that rulers throughout scripture will be expected to follow. It's also a standard that we would love to hold our leaders accountable to today, and we should. God is described elsewhere in Scripture as a shepherd. In Ezekiel 34, God promises to behave as a shepherd behaves, namely providing for and protecting from. In the Gospel of John, in the 10th chapter, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and Jesus is also the gate for the the sheep as well. The protection metaphor is even more intense when Jesus is the gate that keeps God's people together and keeps them from harm. As the good shepherd, Jesus willingly lays down his life. He is the model shepherd. And even the sheep that are not his own, he cares for because as the Gospel of John tells us, there is only one flock, and Jesus is the good shepherd of that flock. What would be different about our lives if we understood those words to be true, as if we were literally sheep being cared for by a divine shepherd? Fear and anxiety are a huge part of everyday life, especially now. How many decisions are made, consciously or unconsciously, that are based on fear? What if there's not enough? What if I encounter some kind of resistance or danger? What would I do if I were to encounter enemies? How am I supposed to see when I am surrounded by darkness or the shadow of the valley of death or evil? But our psalm reminds us, we're told plainly that we lack nothing. I shall not want. So why hoard what we have instead of giving it all away? Our shepherd's chief tasks are provision and protection. We will have what we need and we will be protected from harm. That may not mean that we will never experience any harm, but when we find harm, when we walk through the dark valleys or the shadows of death fall upon us, our shepherd will be with us. Our shepherd will be there to comfort us and to give us peace and to protect us from the harm that we are experiencing. 
and maybe experience that harm with us. When we are lost, our shepherd will find us. Don't forget, Jesus told his disciples that the good shepherd would abandon 99 sheep to find the one who's lost. When we're frightened, our shepherd will comfort us. Well, in addition to the metaphor of sheep and shepherd and pasture in the 23rd Psalm, we move from the metaphor of that pasture to a metaphor of table. Y'all know that is one of my favorites. Our divine host prepares a banquet feast in the presence of enemies. Food is the most common denominator. Everyone has to eat. And there is a great equalizer at that feast. The banquet is set, and our divine host prepares us a banquet of abundance. This abundance is the crowded table that we sing of. There is a place set for every single person. We're all sitting together. We're all enjoying a meal together, even amongst the presence of our enemies, even in the presence of those whom we might otherwise fear. Except that the threat and the fear, all of those things are dissipated at the banquet table. The provisions at the table are abundant, as is the protection. As the divine host, God's hospitality is extended to everyone. Our heads are anointed with oil, a sign of honor given to everyone who's present at the feast. And everyone's cup is overflowing. That word overflowing, it's one of the words that's limited by our English language. In the Hebrew, this word is in a verb tense that implies continual and ongoing action. Cups have been overflowing since the beginning of time. Our cups are currently overflowing, and our cups will continue to overflow into all eternity. Talk about abundance. We lack nothing, and we never will. So now that our enemies are no longer a threat, there's only goodness and loving kindness to pursue us. Rather than being chased by our enemies, we are relentlessly pursued by God's benevolence, God's goodness, God's loving kindness, God's mercy. These things are aggressively used here. Though the King James translation would have us reciting that God's mercy follows us, this isn't the best way to interpret the text. The word here is chesed. The goodness and the loving kindness that is absolutely essential to the nature of God. God's chesed is chasing after us. It's not a, a following. It's not a passive act of natural consequence. It's an aggressive pursuit. That pursuit is in the same verb tense as overflowing. God's aggressive benevolence, God's chesed, has been chasing after us since time began, chasing us in this moment, and will chase us with the intent to overtake us throughout all of eternity. How can we not rejoice at that news? In this abundant provision and this strong protection, we will dwell in the house of the Lord all of our lives. We live in the church. And... The church isn't a building that's located at 3730 North Center Street. It's not a place 
that's physical, that's made of wood or stone. We live as the body of Christ, as the church, as the beloved community. We know that we're the beloved community. So why are we not living as though we have that abundant provision and that eternal protection? If I believe to the depth of my core that I lack nothing, then why am I unwilling to share what I have? If we confess that we have more than we need, then why are our neighbors hungry and thirsty and lonely and poor? We're told that we don't have to fear any evil, and yet we perceive those who are different as our enemies. Even though our cups are continually overflowing over and over and over again with blessing, we still hoard and we still withhold for ourselves what we could share with one another. We follow the example of Jesus as a shepherd who laid down his life for all of the sheep. And yet we resist the opportunity to sacrifice our own comfort for the well-being of others. We're more comfortable labeling some people as our enemy than embracing everyone we meet as our friend, as our sibling, as our fellow member in the family of God. Jesus laid down his life for the salvation of the whole world, for everyone we meet. Jesus takes seriously the role of provider and protector. If he did not, he would not have willingly laid down his life, but he did, and he does. Not before he takes great care and concern to teach others how to behave like shepherds, to teach us how to behave like shepherds. When we live as though we have abundant provision and ample protection, we don't fear. We don't worry that there won't be enough. We're not startled by darkness or discomfort because we know we don't experience darkness or discomfort alone. It's this understanding of our provision and our protection that prompts our shepherding of God's beloved community. We're each a part of this beloved community, and so is every other child of God on earth. In Acts, in the second chapter of Acts, we hear a description of the beloved community with the truth of the 23rd Psalm in their hearts, living the teachings of Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd, the communities of the early church lived in abundance. They lived the truth of abundant provision and ample protection. They lived God's radical hospitality. They lived like this. Here are these words from Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. All those gathered devoted themselves to the apostles' instruction and communal life, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Awe and reverent fear overtook them all, for many signs and wonders were being performed by the apostles. And all those who believed lived together and shared all things in common. They would sell their property and goods sharing the proceeds with one another as each had need. They met in the temple, and they broke bread together in their homes every day. With joyful and sincere hearts, they took their meals in common, praising God 
and having the good will of all people. And day by day God added to their number those who were being saved. Friends, we have the capacity to be this kind of beloved community. We do so when we stand for justice. We protect one another when when we refuse to allow bullying or exclusivity. We show revolutionary love when we see our enemies as friends at the banquet feast. When we don't allow for the poor or the orphan or the widow or the refugee to go along their paths without incredible divine provision and protection, this is the radical hospitality of the beloved community. This is shepherding. When we show the same abundance, the same hospitality, the same immeasurable love that we know as the sheep of God's pasture. We know the aggressive hospitality of God and we offer it to the world. It's our job to pursue those in need with the same goodness and loving kindness that is constantly chasing after us. So we've got work to do. These aren't just words to give us comfort when we feel anxious. These words are our call to action. We know that we have more than enough. We know that we have more than we need. We know that we are not alone. And we know that we are called to share in the providing and protecting of one another and the entire family of God. This is what makes us the beloved. So may we go about every day of our lives as we are relentlessly pursued by God's benevolence, ready to love and serve the world with strong protection and abundant provision. May this be so. Amen.